Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Fabulous pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a fabulous service department, terrific technicians that back it all up for the life of the vehicle, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Scott Lauber in a moment, but first, our play-by-play call of the day. Sider able to find Wallman again, he's jumping, had it knocked off his stick, it goes to Larkin, Larkin, Perron, wide open, he scores! Great opportunity here and good hustle. Second man in by Kopp off the Larkin draw. Down low for Brook. He scores! Three to go in the third period. Red Wings by one. Another shot. They score! Perron! Patrick David Perron! Natural after. Three straight. Uninterrupted. But he'll take the three anyway. Okay, and that's how the Penguins lost last night to the Detroit Red Wings. I thought you were going to pick out the Wisconsin offense in the final nine minutes of the game last night in the NIT. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. (laughs) That too, yeah. (laughs) Courtesy of the Wisconsin Sports Network. They didn't score a single point in the last nine minutes. I didn't even want to text Matt LePay this morning. I have no idea what he said last night. (laughs) Okay. With that, we, uh, I think he's down. Are you down in Texas? Scott Lobber joining us? Uh, I'm uh, headed there uh, in shortly, very shortly. Oh, good. Great. Well, hey, thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate it because, I mean, (laughs) hey, when you play in the World Series, uh, the start of the next season comes up quickly. Uh, so <laughs> that's what's happened there. Uh, so let's get to what you see with this team. And I want before I get to the team, when you watched the JT Real Mojo thing the other day with the home plate umpire, what the yeah. heck was that? Yeah, I mean, so I watched it on TV. I wasn't at that game, but um, yeah. and haven't had a chance to ask JT about it, but a colleague of mine did, and, uh, you know, JT seemed as confused as anyone. Um, my sense was that the umpire, um, who is a AAA umpire who fills in occasionally at the major league level, uh, that the umpire's impression was that, maybe JT was showing him up by moving the glove because Craig Kimbrell had just gotten called for a pitch clock violation. Um, You know, I think umpires are especially sensitive these days about this because they have to enforce these rules uh, and uh, don't want to take any, uh, any lip from some players who don't like it. So 
I don't know if he thought that JT was trying to show him up, and so he threw him out of the game or what it was. But, um, you know, look, um, you know, it's all part of baseball's brave new world. you got to comply with these rules, and if um, if you take too long, you're going to get a, a pitch violation, and the umpires don't want to hear it if you do. Scott, I want to tell you, I don't know how many people were at the game. Not a single person bought a ticket to watch him umpire. Okay, so um, that's just my impression. I agree with you. I agree with you. And they, they certainly want to see JT Real Muto in the game. Um, but look, I mean, if that's what it was about, and that's that's, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of trying to get inside the inside the mind of the umpire there. Um, you know, that's, well, I agree. That's I understand what, they, what you're doing. You know, um, if that's what it was about, you know, look, um, umpires don't want to hear it. So. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I think baseball's hope was that a lot of this stuff would get ironed out in spring training. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, if you take too long, we're going to call something on you. We don't want to hear it. Let's let's move on. And um, I don't know. I think for the most part it went fairly smoothly in the spring. So hopefully, whatever it was, they all get it out of their system and they move forward. Yeah, no. Because I guess the previous one, he'd thrown the ball back to the pitcher himself. And I think that's what JT thought he was going to do again. He's like, I'm not going to hold my glove here. He's just going to throw it back out. I was like, what a mess. Okay. Yeah, and there so, was also some talk that, like, Kimbrell already had a ball. I'm not sure, but, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it was it was definitely, um, you know, I do. I feel bad for those people who were there who wanted to see one of the Phillies' better players, and they mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to see him as much as they thought they would. The use of the pitch clock shaved 26 minutes off of spring training games this spring compared to last year's uh, grouping. Games lasted 235. Now, spring training's a little bit different, but what kind of difference is that making, in your opinion, as you watch it? Oh, it's noticeable, um, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> so I found myself watching a game the other day, and it was it felt like it was taking forever. Like It felt like it was just dragging, especially in the late innings, and... I looked up at the end of the game, and the time of game was 3:01. Hmm. I mean, there were times last year and previous the last few years where you'd kill for 3:01 because that was a short game by comparison. So if 3:01 feels like it's taking forever, uh, then you know it's working um, because you know those are starting to feel long. And I think it's good. I mean, look, I appreciate as much as everybody else the fact that um, you know. Uh, the, the cat and mouse game between hitter and pitcher and hitter stepping out and pitcher stepping off and all of that. But at the same time, and I think we've talked about this before, um, you know, uh, baseball has a problem with, with pace of play and action in the game. Uh, the, the, uh, the consumer is different now than, than the consumer used to be. We all have less time. We all have more options. Baseball has to kind of get on with the times a little bit here and what are they cutting out? They're cutting out dead time, wasted time, mm-hmm. time that you'd want back in your normal life. And so, you know, I think that this is a good thing that baseball's trying to speed things up. The faster the better as far as I'm concerned. If you can get down to, you know, an average game of like two and a half, that's what it was like when I was growing up, you know, and I'm not that old. Me too. Um, you know, I remember in the 80s and 90s when games would move along. And so, you know, I think baseball realizes it has a problem. And it's trying to kind of um, to try to fix it before it's too late. No Reese Hoskins this year after what happened at first base. 
So it's Derek Hall. And Hall, in the spring, did hit five home runs, and he hit 316. Can he hold that down on an everyday basis, or might it be some moving parts like Alec Bone or maybe JT once in a while? Well, I think Derek Hall's going to get a chance to hold it down uh, off the bat. And, um, you know, I don't know that you'll see him play. I don't, I don't think you'll see him play against tough lefties, um, you know, no matter what. Like, I'm not sure he's going to be playing against Max Fried or when they face, you know, some of the better lefties in the league. Um, but they are going to give him a chance to hit lefties, which they didn't really do last year. You know, you look at what they did when they called him up uh, to replace Bryce Harper uh, when Harper broke his uh, his thumb, and it was like, look, we're going to have Derek Hall play the majority of games as the DH, uh, and that meant facing right-handed pitching. But he didn't play against lefties, and I think they're going to they're going to give him a chance to hit lefties this year. But I also think they realize that there are other ways that they can uh, put together a lineup without Reese Hoskins and be a pretty good team or at least um, at least help themselves in other areas. And one of those ways is, uh, is by, by playing Edmundo Sosa. Um, Rob Thompson really likes Sosa a lot. Uh, he's a really good defender. He plays a lot of different positions. Uh, I do think you could see Sosa getting some time at third base when they feel like either moving Alec Bohm to first um, against a, a tough lefty, for example, or maybe they want to DH Alec Bohm on a given day. Um, they're going to use Sosa, and they're going to use him a lot. So I do think that there are ways that they're going to look to to get his bat in the lineup or his glove and his bat in the lineup uh, and, uh, and try to do some things to make themselves better. They're going to try to rotate Castellanos and Schwarber in that DH spot even a little bit before Bryce Harper gets gets back um so you know they're going to try to do some things uh to make themselves better in a lot of different ways and having Derek Hall try to play every day is is one of those ways Aaron Noel is going to be the opening day starter he's 29 years of age he got six, he's scheduled to make 16 million this year it's also the last year they're going to table any talks until the end of the season he just wants to concentrate on the year what was your thought on that yeah i think that they um I know that they kind of ramped up their talks um, after spring training started. And, you know, I don't know how close they got. Obviously not very close because they, they, they tabled those talks on, I believe it was Saturday or Sunday, um, and they still had, you know, three or four days before opening day. He didn't really want this to, to you know, drag into the season. If he was going to do a new deal, he wanted to do it before. So if they were close – I'm sure they would have continued talking right up until 4 o'clock tomorrow, you know, to try to get something done. I took a look earlier in the offseason at what it would take to to keep Aaron Nola, to sign him beyond 2023. And in doing that, I kind of looked at um, some extensions that were signed by pitchers last year. Uh, Luis Castillo was one of them. Uh, after he got traded over to Seattle at the deadline, he signed an extension that was in line with the free agent deals that were made last winter, not this past one, but the one prior to that. So Robbie Ray, Kevin Gosman, they signed contracts that were in the, you know, five or six year, 100 to 110, $115 million range. Well, Castillo signed an extension that was in line with that. So if you spin it forward and, you know, the pitching market kind of exploded this year in free agency, and it wasn't just at the top of the market with Verlander, 
uh, and DeGrom. It was other pitchers as well, pitchers who are really, really good pitchers like Carlos Rodon and guys that I'm sure that Aaron Nola uh, compares himself to uh, and thinks he is as good as or better than. And Rodon signed a six-year, $162 million deal, which I kind of thought was the floor for any sort of NOLA discussions going forward this spring. Um, obviously, they didn't get to where NOLA wanted to go, whether that was uh, my, my, my sense is that maybe it was closer to $200 million over seven or eight years, whatever it was. Um, you know, certainly if you're Aaron NOLA and you are now six months away from free agency, seven months away from free agency, when you're going to have an opportunity to talk to 29 clubs in addition to the Phillies, um, you know, that's enticing. Um, and if you're the Phillies, this was your chance, your best chance, uh, to re-sign him because you're not negotiating with anyone but him. Uh, you have no competition for him at this point. So this is not to say that they can't still come together and get a deal done after the season. Plenty of free agents go out on the market and wind up with the team that they were just with. Uh, the Phillies did it with J.T. Real Muto a few years ago. He went into free agency, wound up right back with the Phillies. So it could happen. But, um, you know, I, they just didn't get to, to the figure that they wanted to. And I thought they might because there's mutual interest on both sides. But, um, you know, they'll play it out and see how it goes and uh, see where Nola ends up when, uh, when he reaches the market. In other conversations, Scott, we have discussed the new rules. And, we also, and I already brought up the pitch clock in this one. Here's one you and I really have not talked about, and I don't. It really hasn't been talked about a lot, in my opinion. And that's the balanced schedule. At least it's called a balanced schedule. You're going to play 13 games against division rivals. That's 52. Each team will play six games against six other opponents, and seven games against four opponents in the same league. That gets you to 64 more. And then each team will play 46 interleague games. What is your thought? You know, so you end up playing the other 29. So what is your thought on this type of scheduling and the potential effect it can have in a pennant race? Yeah, that's that's a really detailed breakdown. I think the easiest way to understand it is everyone plays everyone, right? So you play all 30 teams yep. every single year. I don't know. I mean, I guess I like it. Um, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. You know, I, I've, I've, I'm lucky in that um, I've always covered teams between the Phillies and the Red Sox that had rivals and always played in yes. relatively strong divisions. I can't think of too many years since I started covering baseball in 2006 where the NL East or AL East was not really, really good. So I guess I like seeing the Phillies play the Mets 19 times, and I like seeing the yeah. Red Sox play the Yankees 19 times, and I like mm -hmm. those those division rivalries. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, yeah, I guess, I mean, I personally will miss that third series between the Phillies and the Braves or the Phillies and the Mets. Uh, or that sixth, that fifth and sixth, I should say, they'll play them four series now, two and two, two at home, two on the road, instead of three at home, three on the road. So I'll miss those extra games. But I do see the I do see the sense in balancing out the schedule because, you know, if you are in one of those tough divisions, AL East, NL East, NL West, for that matter, mm -hmm. you know, yes. you're obviously playing a much tougher schedule than, let's say, if you were in the Central. And this balances it out a little bit. Certainly the weaker divisions will still have extra games within their division, um, so it doesn't balance it completely. But it does put people on a little bit more of a level playing field. And when you have a, you know, wild cards at stake where you're fighting for playoff spots with teams that are no longer just teams in your division, I, I, I guess this is something that had to be done. Um, 
you know, I think that, you know, look, I mean, there have been years past where we look at wild card races and we say, oh, you know, that team from that weak division is going to have a is going to have an advantage because they get to, you know, if you're last year, for example, if you were in the, uh, you know, if you were, let's say the, 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 you know, and this, this amplifies how bad the Brewers were down the stretch, right? But if you were the Brewers, yeah. you know, and you were vying for the wild card with the Phillies and the Phillies are having to play the Braves and the Mets um, and even the Marlins all the time, uh, and you're getting to play the Reds and the Pirates, you know, then certainly it's a situation where, it's a much easier road for you. So I understand why they did it. I'm going to miss the extra division games. I am glad that you still play your division more often um, than than outside. And I, I don't mind the interleague. Never have, um, you know. So uh, you know, I'm I'm willing to accept it. But uh, yeah, there's something I'll miss a little bit about um, you know those extra rivalry games. Scott, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Always enjoy the conversation and. Uh, do great work all the time. That's why we read it all the time. Thanks, Steve. Anytime. You bet. Scott Lobber joining us. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the final half hour, which will bring with it an explosion. Oh, my almighty! Your reputation is starting to, you know, People now expect you to be angry. When you go to stores now, do people ask you if you're angry? Surprisingly, no. When you go to stores, do people ask you where the suit is? No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! You know why they ask. They just want to make sure if it's time for them to leave. S-U-I-T, that spells Suta! G-O-N-E, gone. We'll take a break here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. spring practice how do you think things are progressing and, and what stuff do you still kind of need to work on as you as you go through yeah um i'd like to see some of the young guys kind of take the next step we're halfway through right now and a lot of them are still kind of hesitant and not as aggressive as they need to be defensively i think we're we're playing actually pretty well right now uh, that's been that's been good to see um but Overall, we, st- we still got a ton of work to do before the spring game. I do think we've done a good job of laying a foundation in terms of what we're going to do in fall camp. Um, but but we still got a lot of work to do. 
Yeah, um, I think one of the, the elements that's been important so far in camp is that on most days, it's been pretty good between offense and defense. The offense has won some, defense has won some, and that's been really good. I thought the comment Manny Diaz made yesterday was great. He says, he was talking about um, about Drew Aller and all the talent. And he says, hey, look, he says, but it's also our job as a defense to make him as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> He's right. That is their job. And look, if you're going to face that secondary every day, that kind of pass rush every day, it's just going to make everybody better. It's simple as it's just going to make everybody better. I mean, there's no doubt. They're now a little bit more than halfway. They went past the halfway mark on Tuesday. Uh, They're scheduled to go tomorrow night, and they're scheduled to go again Saturday morning. Now, Saturday morning, you know, we'll, we'll see what, you know, it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be uh, mediocre weather again with wind and rain on Saturday. But we'll see. We'll see. Great to have you with us on the show today. <laughs> the next half hour will bring with it a level of entertainment. I can tell you're ready. I'm ready. I'm glad somebody is. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. That means a lot in the buying experience. And a great service department that backs it all up. Fabulous technicians that take care of the life of your vehicle. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Mike Rhodes was scheduled to meet with his uh, VCU team that he is exiting about a half an hour ago. Next up is the compensation committee. And now the Matt Cotillo moment. Remember what I said back there about wanting to be you? Yeah. Forget it. That's what all the people say when they're ready to hear Matt. <laughs> Um, I'm a little bit frustrated again with the NFL today. Now, granted, as I've said before... Roger Goodell speaks very highly of you. (laughs) Jane Skinner's wife, Matt's such a great guy. Well, listen, I I know this is not going to change anything because the owners, as we've talked about before, are going to renew his contract because he just keeps bringing in more and more money. But the NFL needs to stop saying that they care about player safety. Because with this latest, with, with... 
the short to, to allow teams to play a second Thursday night game or a short week game is it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's and it's so hypocritical of the message that oh we care about player safety. No, you don't. Because now you're allowing an extra week, a short week for a team today. Yeah. Now you can, now they're not doing the flex of Thursday night football yet, which is even more ridiculous in itself. But as we talked about before, and the worst part is to me, if you play on Thanksgiving, that doesn't count. <laughs> it's still a Thursday. I don't care if it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. Or Christmas on a Saturday. I, it doesn't matter. It's still a Saturday. It's still a Thursday. And teams could wind up playing two, and some teams may wind up playing none, and vice versa. I mean, that's that's just not fair as far as the scheduling goes, period. I don't care if this is between, like, the Texans having to play no games and then say the Chiefs play or the Eagles play have to play twice on Thursday night. It doesn't matter because that just kills the level of the playing field as far as teams having to prepare plus the plus recover from the games. I mean, once again, I've said this to Roger Goodell, and this is never going to happen. Leave well enough alone. The NFL is never going to be caught by anybody. The NFL is always going to be king. You are you can, the only thing you can do is ruin it. This is going to head that direction, especially if and when you go to 18 games in a regular season. So stop telling me you're all for player safety because you know what you're not. Because Thursday night football doesn't do it. The rate of play when you watch Thursday night football is just not as good. I don't care what other types of tweaks you try to make to it. You try to make the matchups better. I don't care. The players are tired and beat up from playing three, four days prior. And then some have to get on a plane to go somewhere. So stop telling me you care about player safety because you know what? You don't. And maybe sometimes you don't even care necessarily about the product of the game dying itself down because you still will have butts and seats in in most cases and will have eyes watching and glued to whatever TV is is covering the game. But it once but the more you do this, I fear that maybe people will start to notice and then you might start seeing things go down slightly because the play is not as good because you have teams playing too many short weeks. It just doesn't make sense to me at all from a football standpoint, from a logistical standpoint, and from a business standpoint, quite frankly. Leave well enough alone. Oh, you're done. Okay, good. Uh, it is official. It didn't mean to interrupt because you're on such a roll. But Mike Rhodes is officially now the head basketball coach at Penn State. Uh, his contract was approved by the Board of Trustees this afternoon. He's the 15th head coach of the program. Well, that's great. That means I go back. And that, that, mean, that means I'm like halfway now. Like I've got eight out of 15. Oh, my, oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, I mentioned that in the release. <laughs> um, oh, he's got the Bucknell connection because his coach at Lebanon Valley was Pat Flannery. 
That's right. Um, and but he has uh, accepted it. He says, as a Pennsylvania native with a strong family history with our university, Mike understands what it means to be a Penn Stater, how impactful it is to Nittany Nation. Uh, that's what Pat Kraft said. He called it uh, a great honor uh, and excitement to be Penn State's uh, head coach. And he thanked uh, Dr. Ben Batuti, Pat Kraft, and Michael Wade Smith. Um he said, we will be bold, different, and aggressive moving our program forward. We will play with great energy and excitement while always being relentless in our pursuit of making the, this basketball family into something special. I can't wait to go to work. Six years head coach VCU, three of the last four years in the NCAA tournament. So it is official. Mike Rhodes, Mahanoy City. Mahanoy Area High School, Lebanon Valley College. And uh, his wife, Jody, along with his sons, Logan, Chase, and his daughter, Porter, all coming here. So, I mean, Vince Williams was an NBA draft pick. Bones Highland, who played against Penn State a couple of years ago. Uh, Vince Williams did as well. NBA draft pick. More recently. Others have done it as well when he was an assistant coach. There you go. It's official. He's in. I wonder if we can get him on the phone react to your rant. That'd be great. Like, can I, can I bring the two together? That would be a what good first test for him. His introductory press conference will be at 2.30 tomorrow. So, there we go. So, I might be a little late tomorrow. I think I should be there. What do you think? Probably wouldn't hurt. (laughs) You think I had to go? (laughs) Okay. You think you had to go? I think so. So. I think I'll show up. Not gonna take that long. I laughed about it. Fifteenth head coach. I go, Jesus, this will be the eighth for me. I say, I'm, I'm, been around for more than half of them now. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's kind of funny when you think about it. I'm old. You know, the weird thing is, I don't feel old. Well, that's the most important part. I mean, not even close. Not even close. So, yeah, 2.30 tomorrow in the main arena of the Jordan Center. There we go. All right. Sounds good. So, there it is. All set. Now, as for your rant... Uh, I agree with you. They um, give one the impression. The last thing you can do, in my, first of all, I agree with you. Don't leave. I, I, there isn't anything there you said I I didn't disagree. I I didn't disagree with anything. Because number one, you're on a roll right now. 
you can't overreact to Denver and Indianapolis playing on Thursday night. Okay, that that's that's not leadership. You can't overreact to that. I mean, when you put the game on Thursday night, didn't you think that a Russell Wilson Denver Broncos team against a Matt Ryan Indianapolis Colts team would be a good matchup? Right? I'm talking about in August. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, how do how do we know that both teams were going to be duds? And the game was going to be a dud. That's and I don't think Matt Ryan even played in that game because I think they had benched him at that point, if I remember correctly. Right, but I'm saying in the preseason, that's what the matchup was going to be, right? So that's why when you put that schedule together, you're thinking, yeah, that'll be a pretty good game. I mean, the Colts got Matt Ryan now. You know, Frank Reich is the head coach. I mean, Frank Reich wasn't even the coach in that game, was he? I don't even know. And then Russell Wilson, did anybody expect that division was going to That division stacked, they got... Herbert, they got Mahomes, they got Carr, they got Wilson. Wilson had a terrible season. Carr is now with the New Orleans Saints. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We're really impressive doing it, too. And, uh, no, that bothered me. Sorry. And, you know, and, and Herbert's always going to be a good player. I'm, I like Justin Herbert a lot. Um, but, um, So you didn't know going in. You can't overreact to that. And you can't keep act. Look, the players are the product. The players are the product. And and you can't keep looking at your product like it's like they're disposable. The humans they need time for recovery. We keep talking about recovery over and over again. Every time I turn around from practices to everything, recovery, recovery, recovery. That's the big thing these days. And you take a physical beating when you play in the NFL. And now you're going to tell them to do it two times a year and Thanksgiving doesn't count now. That's, I'm sorry. You can't act like the primary part of your I mean, people pay money to see Jalen Hurts. People pay money to see Patrick Mahomes. People pay money to see Tyree Kill. People pay money. Right? That's why they you know, and people want to watch on TV because of the players. I mean, that's why they want to watch. They aren't there to watch the owners. They are not there to watch the commissioner. They're there to watch the players. You need to take care of them. Okay? They're the reason. Um, they're the reason that people are excited and interested in what's going on. You can't tr- act like they're disposable. You can't. Li- you can't act like they're chess pieces on the board. That they're inanimate. They are not. So I agree with you. And this thing about potentially flexing, it got cut down pretty fast because the players got pretty vocal about it quickly, and they should have been. Yeah, they should have been complaining about that. And Again, the Maris, too, were, were also a big, uh, were, were big against that, too. The Maris, to the credit of the Maris, going back to Wellington Mara, they've always had a big-picture view of the NFL. 
I mean, they could have kept a lot of TV money a long time ago. Wellington Maris said, no, it's best for the league if everybody um, gets a cut of the pie. So, by the way, your guy Volpe is going to wear number 11, Brett Gardner's number. Not a bad number to wear. Uh, let's see here. Adam Silver is hoping a new collective bargaining agreement deal is reached by the end of the week. Wow. That's oh, my almighty! Well, no, but, but that's because you're trying to avoid any problem. This will then bring with it changes in, into the free agency part and also bring with it a change to the draft. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. We were just talking about it yesterday. Yeah. The Yankees signed Franchi Cordero. Wow. Boy, I was hoping somebody would take him off the Red Sox hands. Perfect. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. That's the guy they got for Andrew Benintendi. When that trade was made, I looked around and went, what the? Who made that deal? Maybe I'll right, see we'll him at Scranton Wilkesbury this year. That'd be fine. Oh, no, you won't see him at Scranton Wilkesbury this year because I'm not going. As we continue here <laughs> on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So Mike Rhodes officially is in his introductory press conference tomorrow at 2.30. So I'm, I'll have some suggestions for you when we're off the air. Um, and we'll go from there. And this is always the time of the year, and this uh, this goes to football, the 8 to 10 weeks following the end of the regular season which includes letter of intent day, a bowl game, and so forth. That eight- to ten-week period after the last regular season football game is so tough on a coaching staff because part of what you're trying to do is you're trying to finish up your recruiting, get ready for a bowl game, and you're also looking at the transfer portal. Oh, and by the way, you're trying to re-recruit your own players. For a college basketball coach, from the last game of the season – and for many teams, that would end up being, obviously, the last game they play in their conference tournament. That 8- to 10-week span is critical because for the same reasons. You're trying to make sure your recruiting is all set, and you're also trying to re-recruit your own players so that you have some sort of roster construction set, plus you're also trying to make sure that you have your schedule set because scheduling is a little bit different in college basketball for non-conference compared to college football. College football, there's so many years in advance. College basketball, a lot of times, is done on a spring-by-spring basis. But it's a tough eight- to ten-week period. So, you know, Michael, I mean, Mike knows this. I mean, he's a pro's pro. He's been around the block. Uh, he understands how all this works and why it works. And... Uh, and he's got a proven track record to take care of it. But I'm just saying that, that that is what makes this particular time of the year difficult. It also opens the door to bounce back quickly. You know, it's it seemed, you know, it, look, everything that's happened in the past week, you expect. Okay? In other words, okay, so the coach leaves. You have a great run. He did a great job. But he ends up leaving, goes to another for another job. Okay, so what do you then expect after that? You have to get candidates. You've got to work it out. Who come, who rises to the top? Then you have to start negotiating. Now, through all this negotiation, 
okay? Recruits who had signed on with the previous coaching staff are like, ah, maybe I ought to reopen it. Expected. Players go into the transfer portal. Expected. Nothing has happened to this point I didn't expect. So that's why I've been the way I've been the past week. (laughs) Drives you nuts. I know it drives you nuts. In most cases, but in this case, I understand. Because a lot of it I wasn't surprised by myself either. I mean, there's nothing about it that was... I mean, did it maybe for some people take a little longer? Yeah, but if you're talking about a guy that's going to sign a seven-year contract and you have an expectation that the guy's going to be here for seven years, I don't think three or four days is going to make a difference. It's now it's going to be what they do from this point forward. Ryan Odom, by the way, looks like he's going to be the guy to get the VCU job. He was the guy that engineered the big upset at UMBC. And uh, uh, then he left the UMBC job to take Utah State. And he got Utah State to the tournament. So if you're you're wondering... And when it comes to the, the portal and, and players' loss and things like that, sure, you've lost some recruits. That That's that's a little bit of a hit. Maybe Mike Rhodes can work that back. But in terms of current players hitting the portal, all those guys were expected. To me, the biggest hurt would be Evan Mahaffey, and you never know. He might come back. Well, take, for example, let's just give you a football example. Well, I can give you a basketball example. Hey, Seth Lundy and John Harrow are both in the portal. You know that, right? Yeah, that's right. They're both in the portal. They came back, right? You know, they talked to Micah. They came back. Uh, Derek Townley, who, by the way, is having a really good spring in football. He put his name into the portal this year. He decided to come back. So you look, just be patient. This guy is a pro's pro. He's a heck of a coach. He's a really, really good coach, Uh, and. He understands how all of this works. Uh, the keys to the uh, the keys to the vehicle were not handed over to a novice. So everything, in, in my opinion, it's going to take a lot of work because Penn State. You know, we all know Penn State can be a tough job. We know. I mean, I am. Look, I've sat there and I've watched it firsthand. I've watched firsthand more games, I think, probably than anybody. <laughs> All right. So I know it's not the easiest job. But with hard work, elbow grease, you can get there.